0: every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is upon us once again, and just like every year, Kansas City is back in the Super Bowl, but additionally, every year on the Take It Easy podcast, we have to get you set for the most important bet you will make during Super Bowl Sunday. That is, of course, what color Gatorade is going to dunk the winning head coach after the Super Bowl. Now, traditionally, you would suspect that red would be the color to go for. I mean, Kansas City is red. San Francisco's red. There are different variations in colors. But guess what? Kansas City has won two of the last four Super Bowls. No red on the Gatorade color. In fact, red has not been the Gatorade color of choice in any of the previous 22 Super Bowls. Red never comes up on the Super Bowl odds list. So don't fall into the trap this year of thinking red is going to be the color. Instead, the favorite is the yellow-green color Gatorade, which, depending on where you gamble, you can get yellow and green at different colors, but the lemon-lime color of Gatorade is the favorite at plus 150. Orange and red tied at 275, blue at 400, and then at plus 450 we have purple. Now it's important to remember purple because purple was the winning color last year at the Super Bowl. When Kansas City beat Philadelphia, it was purple Gatorade that came through. And that was surprising because it was the first time in 11 years that purple Gatorade had been the Gatorade color of choice. To dunk the winning head coach not since the new york giants won the super bowl in 2012 so it's an interesting conversation here you could get the the lemon lime color perennially the favorite most common type you're going to find orange a strong candidate but if you're looking for a good value play this year plus 400 on blue is a good choice because blue has been the color of choice in three of the previous five super bowls blue was the patriots choice after they won the super bowl against the rams which again Patriot blue, Ram blue, you could understand the color choice there. Blue was the color for the Buccaneers when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Blue was the color of choice when the Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago in Los Angeles. There's so many different options and so many different colors. Blue at plus 400 is the value play of the year. It is historically the most common color of choice, and even though last year we went with purple, blue is perennially at the top of the list. And last year, blue was the favorite. This year, blue's coming in at a long shot plus 400. I think blue is the play to go with for this year's big game color. Now, here's the fun catch. When you go to Bet Online Sportsbook with the link in the description of this episode and use our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, you get a 50% welcome bonus On your original deposit. And if you take that 50% welcome bonus and put it all onto blue to win the Super Bowl, you're not getting plus 400 odds, you're getting plus 600 what you originally would have made. So you could make six times your money by betting on blue to be the color of Gatorade that is chosen when Kansas City wins the big game on Sunday was this three and a half minutes of big game analysis yes it was was it three and a half minutes of deciding what color is going to be the gatorade bath at the end of the game you're damn right and it was three and a half minutes well spent and you should take this information go to bet online sportsbook and make your picks today bet online where the game starts Welcome back, our friend of the show, Razor Rosenthal. You guys, check out his Twitter. It's linked in the description to this episode. He's got all sorts of fantastic gambling insights, all sorts of fantastic sports content as well. You can see him tweet through his Buffalo Bills disasters usually around January of every year. It's fantastic. It's fun. Razor, thank you for stopping on in once again. It's It's time for our, I believe our final football podcast of the season before we jump into college basketball.
1: You had to throw out the Buffalo bills, didn't you right there? It's a eulogy, oh, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's that, you know, college football and the NFL coming to an end. And, uh, we move on to, uh, obviously the spring with, uh, college hoops ramping up and, uh, yes, again, another Buffalo bill disaster as you alluded to.
0: Yeah. I'm excited for our first college basketball podcast, which is always me, looking at Ken Palm rankings for the very first time live on the air. It's one of my favorite things that we do because last year, my first, uh, my first recognition was, Oh, Hey, Yukon's really good again. And then lo and behold, Yukon ended up winning the championship. So that should be fun. Um, it's been a couple weeks since you were here. Do you want to touch on any of the divisional round games? Obviously your Buffalo bills came up short in a way that it was kind of heartbreaking considering, the obviously the missed field goal part, but the fact that they gave up scores on each of Kansas City's first five possessions and yet still had a chance to win the game because of how good their offense was rolling and how good the running attack was against Kansas City. Yeah, really tough to put blame on, you know,
1: one thing. If you had to do it, I would really say just defensive scheming in
0: the first three quarters
1: was abysmal, right? Uh You know, the Bills couldn't stop anything. Uh Kansas City just... I don't know, Kyle. They finally have come back to life and they had to do it at the expense of Buffalo and Orchard Park, New York that night. The Bills dominated the game. I believe they, you know, they won on almost seems like every category, obviously, except our secondary couldn't couldn't stop them. Um the KC, the Chiefs were the right play in game. I think we talked about that, you know, in in, in on your podcast leading up to the game. Just that was a no play for me the whole time. But if I had to do it, I would have waited to see, you know, what is what is happening and you probably could have gotten KC and pretty good at uh, plus four and a half plus six and a half in game when the Bills somehow, you know, would take, take their small marginal leads. But yeah, I mean, it's, it feels like centuries ago that game, you know, because that's how the gambling world works. You, if you're a gambler who, who plays on a consistent basis, daily basis, you have to put these things behind you and you can't really reminisce and on your, on your bad beats or your bad losses or even your good wins you have to manage your money and move on and um you know that that game certainly stands out a lot more than the other divisional games the Texans were a big disappointment uh kind of recommending the Texans plus the points things were looking really good the first half the script was right there for the Texans to cover and they got ran out of the gym in the second half so it's kind of hard to see that coming right um uh, yeah, as far as the other divisional games, uh, the Niners-Green Bay Packers game, wow, you know, the only thing that I, that really stands out was, you know, I gave out the NFC money line parlay that came home fairly easily, somewhat easily with the Lions. I mean, I know that that score was really close at the end, but I felt like the Lions really took control in the fourth quarter. And then the Niners, boy, did they get lucky to come home against the Packers. So yeah, just kind of moving on from from these games, uh, I did in game. I in game the Kansas City Chiefs at one point when uh, Lamar tied it up. I felt like this was going to be a, a back and forth affair, and I took the Chiefs uh, at plus. Uh, I think it was three and a half at great odds at plus one twenty. I felt like this could be a field goal game, and we can come home with the victory. And then, you know, I, I, I risked I, I risked a lot on the Niners money line against the Lions. I, I, I think I laid three dollars on that at that point, maybe three ten, and yeah. Uh, that's a tough one to swallow if you're a fan in Michigan right
0: now. Yeah, and and the Detroit-San Francisco game we talked about last week was the final result was about what a lot of people were predicting, which is like San Francisco will score 30, the Lions will score 20, they'll be down two scores late in the game maybe they backdoor cover. It was the result. A lot of people thought going into the week, but just like the most heartbreaking way to get there for Detroit, considering how great they were on the first two possessions of the game. And I mean, that one's just going to sting obviously, but Detroit was an overachieving team and, and San Francisco is for my money, the best team in football. I mean, Baltimore was right there with them, but now that Baltimore has gone, I think San Francisco, you look at what might've been the best team all along. And in the case of the the in-game bet, I like the idea there of going Kansas City when the game was 7-7 to at that point, because I believe, if I remember correctly, that was the second Baltimore drive of the game. It was.
1: It was. Yes, it was. And I just
0: just felt like what I saw out of the
1: Kansas City first drive was really easy. What I saw out of the first two Baltimore drives were not easy, Kyle. Just a blown coverage where Lamar threw up a 40-yard bomb, kind of a A Wide open Zay Flowers. Maybe somebody fell. I said, I don't like what I'm seeing out of Baltimore right now. It took kind of a busted coverage play. Lamar running for his life to get into the end zone. Some hoping that this somehow is a, you know, tie game going into the late fourth quarter. And maybe, you know, maybe it's Tucker who wins the game. Uh, by three and I'd cash a, a plus three and a half ticket at plus one twenty. So felt good about it. Sometimes you 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 feel good about something and it goes completely opposite. This one went in the right direction. Never never sweated a plus three and a half bet there.
0: That was one of the more unique parts of that game is that Kansas City punted on six consecutive drives, including like all of their drives in the second half except for the last one where they kneeled out the clock. Punted every single time and yet it was like never in doubt that they were going to win the game because they were always up two scores. It was only the very end that Baltimore brought it within one score. It was it was such a strange phenomenon watching as someone who, who has been rooting for Patrick Mahomes for years and watching all of these Kansas City games with a a hope that Kansas City will win. It was so interesting that they the offense was completely anemic and Baltimore was doing this great job on defense, and yet the game was still just never in doubt.
1: You know, it's funny, I was talking to a lot of my friends here in our group chains, uh, you know, who who bet like I do somewhat consistently or very consistently. How much would you bet live if I told you that Kansas City would put up zero points in the second half and punt every single time leading up to the final drive? How much would you take on Baltimore only down 10? And every single person said probably massive units that Baltimore would somehow emerge. you know, take Baltimore money line. I mean, Baltimore would probably emerge. Maybe twenty-one seventeen, maybe even higher than that, maybe twenty-four seventeen. But it goes to show you how good this Kansas City defense truly is and how much better it is playing right now than the San Francisco 49ers defense, who looked really horrible the first half against the two NSC North teams with the Packers and the Lions. I- I'm afraid of this Niners team is you know, they figured it out in the second half. But I'm not sure they can get away with that against Kansas City. I mean, we'll see. We'll talk about the Super Bowl here, I'm sure, soon. But um, I'm just not happy with what I'm seeing as a if you're a Niners fan with that first-half defense with Steve Wilkes the last two games.
0: Well, let's talk about that that Niners defense versus Kansas City offense because what was so unique about the AFC Championship game, and also it was some of the, the Buffalo game. I don't have the exact stats up from the Buffalo game right now, but I can find them, is... Travis Kelsey went from like, oh, is this, you know, the year that he's declining and he's got these ankle injuries and all sorts of stuff like that to like, okay, now Travis Kelsey is back and, and balling out. And I have, um, I see the stats there from the Buffalo game. I'm going to check the Dalton game real quick because I think he's completed over 90% of his targets over these past few weeks in the playoffs. And that's, absolutely incredible so so uh he had 10 targets seven catches in the the dolphin game but in the last two against buffalo and baltimore it's 18 targets 17 i'm sorry 19 targets 18 catches for travis kelsey for 180 yards i mean if kyle hamilton and the Buffalo secondary don't have options to stop Travis Kelsey from getting passes. I don't know what San Francisco is going to do trying to guard Travis Kelsey. I don't
1: think it's stoppable. I mean, the I mean, honestly, like I even think it's easy to run on San Francisco. Look what Gibbs didn't look what Montgomery did at times. I mean, the, 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 the Kansas city chiefs haven't been able to matriculate the ball very well down the field because of the lack of wide receivers. But you may not need them if you have a, a nice running game with Pacheco. You can even throw in Edwards Eler at times. I mean, this is a this offense has been so anemic, but they have finally come to life in some ways. Obviously, they did not come to life in the second half down uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. But I you know, listen, the result of this game is kind of hard to predict, but you see where the money's going. It's going on Kansas City right now. I think the opening line was two and a half for the Niners. A lot of respect there for San Francisco. Um, I don't have a play on this yet, Kyle. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, in depth. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. Who do you trust more? The Kansas City offense, who does look pretty good over this playoff sample size, but looked really, really bad in the regular season, or the Niners defense, who looked really good in the regular season and has looked very below average in this tournament. So that's the interesting matchup here, and it's hard to figure out because if the Niners' defense comes to life, I think the Niners should win this game. But there's a lot of would've, could've, should'ves that it's hard to figure out. And can the Kansas City Chiefs' offense you know, play the way they did against Buffalo for three quarters, play the way they did against Baltimore for two quarters? Then I think Kansas City wins. So, listen, I think it's one of the toughest game we've seen in a while. Obviously, the line indicates that. You can shop around, and it'll be a pick Minus one, Kansas City. Plus one, Kansas City. Uh, This is going to be really intriguing. This is a 100% in-game live bet for me. Easy decision to do that.
0: What do you think about San Francisco offense, Kansas City defense in that sense? Because I think that's the great counterpoint there is that San Francisco's offense should be able to control time of possession and, and realistically dominate time of possession, which is huge given that Kansas City has more of a precision-based offense now than they do an explosive big play offense. I know they had a couple of explosive big plays finally break out against Buffalo, but this could be a game where where San Francisco sits on the ball and dominates time of possession.
1: Yeah, the weaponry of of San Francisco surpasses Kansas City by a lot, right? They have the tight end almost like you can say, well, not quite 50-50 split between Kittle and Kelsey, but I think Kittle is right up there with Kelsey. The wide receiver core, incomparable in the running game. McCaffrey versus Pacheco. slight edge to McCaffrey there. Quarterback play. Got to trust Mahomes in this situation. But you're right. Time of possession could be a big problem for Pat Mahomes. And that's a guy that hates to be sitting on the bench for a long time. Ironically, if you look at time of possession games, I think the Raiders were able to figure out how to do that in that Christmas Eve game against the uh, Chiefs when that game was played in Kansas City. And I think that's probably the scheme and the game plan for Shanahan is somehow keep these guys off the field and let's do our thing. So still don't feel great about the Niners uh, pre-flop, but I feel like because you're starting with a line that's minus one, pick them, whatever it may be, you're going to get fairly good odds if you see the Niners up – probably not going to pay. And you like what you see out of San Francisco early. You're not going to pay a huge price to take them the money line. Probably will start at San Francisco minus 120. And if you get that 7-3 result late in the first and you like what you see, I'd rather pay minus 170 and watch the script unfold.
0: Is the Super Bowl just one of those events where there's so much financially invested in the gambling that most of the lines are going to be about as accurate as you're going to find like props, uh, over unders. Does it, is there so much information vested in the Super Bowl that these numbers are, it's going to be really, really hard to, to bet some of these like, you know, over under prop totals.
1: Well, you're giving really smart people two weeks to figure it out and you're giving really smart people just one game to be concerned about. So, I think that information is is very difficult to navigate. Has a better you think you have something cooking and you really don't. This you know someone that you think is going to catch seven balls and the total is four and a half, and they throw up a stinker, catch one for seven yards. So you know I think that they have a big edge. They have a a good you know good amount of time to figure it out because those odds change. They see people you know bringing in money. They have two weeks to say oh, we're going to adjust the line for these sharks or adjust the line because the public's going one way. So I I personally don't treat the Super Bowl any special, specialer than any other game, Kyle. I, I look at it as just another game. And if you start to use your bankroll just because it's a Super Bowl and you use a big portion of your bankroll because it's a Super Bowl, I think you're doing yourself a disservice and you're being silly. So same thing with the NCAA tournament. I say this every year on your podcast the last three years. You know, you just – you have to look at it as fun. You can't – you cannot – you you're, you could look at the NCAA tournament, I look at it almost the same as what transpired last night on a regular Wednesday night slate of hoops. That's how you have to do it. You can't use your bankroll on this game. So, you know, that's how I approach it. I actually enjoy just being with friends at, at a party and not worry – and stress about oh my god the final game of the year i have to lay 30 units it's just stupid
0: yeah i totally understand that and it's it's just one of those things where i look up and it's like it, when i see 47 and a half as the over under i anticipate it's going to be somewhere between you know 46 and 49 points in some capacity i see you know kelsey at 70 over under receiving yards and i'm like well that's probably about the number that kelsey's going to get you know it's it's one of those Things where I just, you know, I personally avoid those altogether. As we've joked for years, I only make one official prediction a year. And that's what color Gatorade is going to be the dunking the coach at the end of the game. But I I just I see those numbers and I think, yeah, that seems about the the most likely outcome that the game is going to go. And I know you can say that about every, you know, football game. But in particular, I like what you said. There's one game and you have two weeks to prepare for it you you take out some of the, the weather factors because it's in a dome stadium most of the time or in a place that it's going to be warm weather and not a lot of wind. And, and you have a more traditional classic football matchup between two, you know, the, the, what is very often the two best teams in the league. I don't know if that's the case this year, but it's very often the two best teams from the regular season.
1: Yeah. And I think if you have a gambler who has a budget of a thousand dollars for this evening, you shouldn't put a thousand dollars on the piece or the niners or the over or the under this is fun throw throw 100 bucks on the over under throw 200 dollars on the side. you know just if you do that and you split up your 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 bankroll into six or eight ways you're probably going to come out even months right i mean you can't lose them all you could likely not going to win them all but i just feel like you know don't give the books Massive edge, have fun with it, treat it as a recreational bet, and um, that's what I plan to do. You know, I'll probably lay a unit on heads or tails, I'll lay a unit on something silly, but you know, I'm not going to say this is my game to beat the books and I love the Niners money line, it's just not happening,
0: yeah, and I totally get that. A lot of money line parlays are. Or the name of your game and, and the money line right now is basically sitting at Kansas City plus one oh five, San Francisco minus one twenty. I mean, that's essentially a pick'em at this no point. Edge there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, there's no edge there. I mean, I I think I think if I I think the value is probably laying excuse me, uh taking the plus one oh five with the with the Chiefs when we talk about if you look at value, I'm not a value guy as much as I am where I feel comfortable laying the big number when I'm, you know, these teams should emerge victorious. And but I, you know, I think if anything, you know, if there was a side that I like the most, I feel like the under would be the play. V you can buy up two points for minus 135 and bring this guy up to 49 or 49 and a half. You mentioned it. I agree. The Niners will have major ball control. Uh if they if they are somehow allowed to convert on third down. Um, on a consistent basis, they will keep that clock moving. So my I think my number one lead is, is, is under the total, and I want to bring that up by paying a little bit of price for it. But again, I, I would say that's a unit play
0: for me. Yeah, I think the big thing for Kansas City's defense at this point is like San Francisco is going to convert some of these like first and second down plays because of how explosive their offense is. But the reason I think that this is such a uniquely Uniquely poised for San Francisco to control time of possession is that middle and down the field, Kansas City has had it locked down this season between McDuffie and Legereus Sneed. They are you could point to some of the safety tandem, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil. They have been take away the big play all season long, and they've got so many They've got so much depth on the defense that it's so unique now. They they spent so many of these picks and and very few of them have gone to waste that now they have this unique depth where they lose Charles Menehue and it's almost like it doesn't matter in terms of building out their defense because they have so many pieces at so many positions. Um, I, I think that San Francisco in the middle of the field and and sh- and screen game. San Francisco is going to have an advantage, and if that if that's what they choose to exploit, they can just they can run some eight and a half play field goal drives or eight minute touchdown dr- or sorry eight and a half minute touchdown drives or eight minute field goal drives and just really sit on the clock. And that's tough for Kansas City because their offense is so precision based mm-hmm. that. You know, one penalty, one bad incompletion, and all of a sudden you're sending it back to San Francisco and your defense has to sit on the field for another five and a half minutes.
1: Yeah, I think the other argument is which side do you want to take here? I would say you got to ask yourself who's more capable of winning by two scores or more? I think the Niners are. I think they really are. If their defense, if they figure out how to stop Travis Kelsey because I think that's their number one threat is do do they have the ability to stop Kelsey, stop uh the running game with Pacheco? Um, so if you're looking at that angle, then you know, maybe a unit on the Niners to win by, you know, eight or nine or more, and you'll probably get plus two hundred on that, plus one ninety, whatever it may be, because I feel like Kansas City wins this game. It's it's gonna be under four. Five points, if I had to guess. And I think the Niners can win this game with ball ball control, stopping Mahomes, you know, four or five times where they force four or five punts. I think San Francisco rolls them if somehow the, uh, the Chiefs punt, you know, as much as they did against Baltimore. I just think their offense is too explosive, much better than Baltimore's offense, despite Baltimore going into Santa Clara and running them out of the gym. These things are hard to figure out, right? But I do believe. We talked about this two three weeks ago. Both agree. I think the Niners are the best team in the NFL. Um, they just have really disappointed me on the defensive side of the ball in the first half against the Packers and Lions. So another angle to look at, maybe you agree with me, who can win by two scores more than likely. I think it's the Niners instead of the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably true, but... I mean, yeah, San Francisco's just gone down early so quickly, and and Kansas City has jumped out early on these teams. And I shouldn't say, like, Kansas City has been blowing teams out. It's just, like I said, against Buffalo, they scored on their first five possessions of the game, and Buffalo still had a chance to go down and take the lead after Kansas City scored on their first five possessions. It was just Kansas City was executing as perfectly as we had seen them all season on offense, and Buffalo still had a damn good chance to, to tie or win that game despite that fact. So it's just Kansas City's great early on. They've struggled in second halves of games. Once they get penalties, we saw it take away a touchdown in the Baltimore game. It's just Kansas City Kansas City scares me in that sense because even though their offense has looked so much better in these uh three playoff games, you know, the negative 5 degree one take what you will from a a weird and wacky game. Even though their their offense has looked so great, it still has the symptoms of Why their offense was faulty in the regular season and why they had to, you know, aside from their receivers having like laughably bad mistakes at the end of games, they still the reason they were the number three seed this year is penalties in a precision based offense, slow them down. And that's why they've lost some of these games. And you still see symptoms of that in these last two games. And yeah, San Francisco's defense isn't going to have an answer for Kelsey, but they, they will have an answer if they can, if the pass rush is getting holding calls on Jawan Taylor and, uh, their, their backup guards who are going to replace Tooney.
1: Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, this, this is man, this, this Kansas city offense is so hard to figure out offensive line at times a problem. Uh, The cadence is a problem sometimes, I feel like, with Mahomes more than any other year. I think there's been a lot of discrepancies with the wide receivers, just not on the same page. But, of course, Valdez-Scantling comes up huge in the Buffalo game and even as big in the Ravens game, which who who could have predicted that, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know... I'm on to college basketball, Kyle. I'm done with this NFL. This is a this disaster that happened in Orchard Park two and a half weeks ago. So I have to <laughs> I have to just uh I have to deal with one more Taylor Swift game and move on if, for if, another if, season.
0: If it helps you feel a little bit better, at least you could know this was the worst of the Buffalo Bills four teams that they sent into Kansas City, or you know, the they should have sent to play Kansas City last year, but they lost to Cincinnati before they got there. At least this yeah. was the worst of the teams. This wasn't like their best chance to win the Super Bowl or anything like that. But man, I, yeah. I feel tough. I feel I feel relatively bad for Buffalo, even though in my mind I was thinking, God, the I, I'm OK if Kansas. If Mahomes loses to Lamar, I can live with that. If he loses to Josh Allen this year, that's going to that's going to really sting.
1: Yeah, I think the argument is that this wasn't as good as a team, but I feel like this team really overcame the depths of hell. You know, week number eight and nine, the loss to Denver at home, on Monday night football, other losses that came that we didn't see coming, and the Jets, the Jets game opening night, uh, the Patriots game on the road. And that, the, I, listen, this team somehow overcame that, and and was the number two seed, and really had a really the better team I think than the Chiefs overall except the fact that they just couldn't stop them for the first two two and a half quarters but yeah it's a tough one Um, you know and I think if you're a Bills fan there's it looks like we're one of those teams that kind of it's kind of like Tennessee before their big drop off this year and last year that's just always in the mix right always has a chance to emerge into the AFC title game but just not getting over the finish line and I I thought, I mean, I know know we're going into a rabbit hole here with the Bills, but I thought there was a chance that could have seen a new head football coach there. It doesn't look like that's happening. I was kind of eager to see if Belichick was going to be the guy um, to clean up these really bad defensive uh, mess-ups. But the uh, Pagula family is going to stick it out with McDermott. And, I mean, the resume is proven. This guy makes the semifinals and finals of the AFC the last four years, it's really hard to argue that that's not an incredible run, right? I mean, there's only, you know, the Ravens and the Chiefs that kind of mirror that resume. You have Cincinnati as well. So there's only a handful of teams that are doing what Buffalo is doing really in the NFL. I mean, the Niners, you can say they're, you know, the Eagles and then everybody else is just either making the tournament or not making the tournament at all. So it's a tough one to swallow. Really disappointing over the last few days after the game, but Again, you know, it's time to time to buck up and uh, compete in college hoops and in tennis as well. So,
0: yeah, and I talked about this earlier this week in a video that'll probably come out later on the podcast. But I, if Buffalo had gone after Belichick, I thought that would be a disaster. That would be a disaster if they had tried to just go completely change shop and and pivot to that as their 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 pivot and and him bringing in the Patriot way and him already being the 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 guy who's not going to be your friend but he's going to be the the leader who gets the best at it like i i don't think that would have gone over well in buffalo but we'll never know because they're they're going to stick with mcdermott and stick with joe brady and i i don't think that's a bad idea it's just like you said at a certain point when does when does precedent take over there uh so you're you're taking it in game with the super bowl you're, you're gonna am, wait to 100
1: yeah wait to play it in, in games game. Yes, sir. Yep. No doubt. No, nothing before. Maybe some props, obviously, before you have to. But uh, my my recommendation from a betting standpoint, if I had to dish out something to people that uh, like our content when you and I chat and they want to and they want to trail me, I mean, maybe I would buy up the under to 48 and a half, 49, get a little bit north of that total uh, and take the under pre flop. But the, uh, the game to, is I want to see the script and I know I'm going to get a pretty good line if the Niners somehow go up early and they're dominating T.O.P. may take the Niners money line. Hey, listen, the Chiefs, if they go up early and as an underdog, you're going to get great value with them as well. So not just leaning on San Francisco here. I like to look at the Chiefs and let's see how the Chiefs are playing. So, yeah, totally live,
0: totally live on that one. The only prop I give the people odds on plus 400 blue Gatorade. It's going to dunk the winning coach, regardless of who wins, take blue. It's the best value on the board. But I got to ask you, since this is our last football show of the year, what was your personal favorite football memory of this 2023 season? Pro college, whatever you see fit. What was your favorite memory of this 2023 season? <clears throat>
1: Well, that's that's a that's a tough one without preparation. And I appreciate that. It's okay. I can figure yeah, this out. Totally you know, understand. I, I, I think that the um the final four in the rose Bowl really stands out. That Michigan Alabama game, uh that that fourth quarter in overtime as a Michigan better um was kind of like edge of your seat. Are they gonna come home? Are they gonna win this game? Uh they I felt like Michigan was done. I really did. I felt like Michigan was in really bad shape in the middle of the fourth quarter, and the stakes were on the line to get to the championship game down seven, and they figured it out, so that, that particular game stands out. The worst game that stands out that was super exciting because I was on the wrong side. We've talked about this game, I think, a few times on your pod. By far, it was a really exciting to, a game with a Total defensive meltdown by the Longhorns. It was the game in the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma, Texas. That was a really fun game to watch. Kyle back and forth for pretty much the whole game. Texas finally takes yet another lead. They they squandered their lead and then finally took it with maybe under three minutes to go. Played prevent defense and Oklahoma went down the field as easy as one, two, three. It was. A tough one to swallow, but that that one stands out as the most exciting game and loss of the year. And I'll say the Michigan conclusion against Alabama was probably my favorite moment, being on the right side and with those stakes on the line.
0: That is Razor Rosenthal. He is our football expert for, I want to say, four years running now, three, four years running here. We appreciate you as always, and we'll chat with you in basketball season. Yeah, I can't wait, Kyle. I'm now
1: really getting into it. And How about the best conference in college hoops? It's out west, and it's not the Pac-12. Unbelievable, unbelievable uh, group of teams in the Mountain West. And we saw it last night when Boise State was able to go down to Albuquerque and take care of business against a really good New Mexico team. This uh, Mountain West conference, we'll talk about it here in February, Kyle. We could see over a half a dozen teams in the NCAA tournament in March. It's going to be pretty exciting for those Mountain West fans.
0: Woo! Mountain West is the mountain best. I've been telling people for years. Mountain West, best conference in college sports. Absolutely fantastic. We'll chat with you in a couple weeks.
1: All right. Thanks, Kyle. Always a pleasure. Look forward to chatting hoops with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.